Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, which I'm excited to say we are now airing five days a week. Once a week, you can still hear an interview with a different consciousness change maker that is out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness across Spaceship Earth. But now, also, in addition to the weekly interview, on the other four weekdays, you can tune in to myself and my co-host, Dalian, giving interpretations of our favorite thought-provoking quotes, sharing a bit of inspiring or mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and digging into any other mind-expansive topics we deem worthy of discussion. Today's episode is sponsored by Procabulary.org. Procabulary offers a brilliant new online language course that I just recently completed myself called Core Language Upgrade. The course material is designed to help you analyze the way you use your words and language to create your reality. I personally believe the words you choose to speak or write out is referred to as spelling for a very good reason. You're literally casting an energetic spell every time you open your mouth, which means it's of the utmost importance that you have a foundational understanding about the power or lack of power that the words you're choosing to use conjures up. I strongly believe language mastery is a highly important skill set that way too few people have taken it upon themselves to become educated on. And what Procabulary does is actually provides you with an incredibly easy-to-follow roadmap that only takes about 10 minutes a day spanned over 21 days to complete, which shows you how to go about changing your language patterns so that you can start getting better results in every aspect of your life. Now, as a Positive Head Podcast listener, if you decide to go to Procabulary.org and purchase the Core Language Upgrade course, you'll get 33% off if you use the promo code POSITIVEHEAD, all one word, on the checkout page. The retail price for Core Language Upgrade is normally $299, and I'd say it's really worth every penny of that, but it's especially worth it after your 33% positive head discount because it drops the price to $199. That's a crazy good deal that I had to do some serious convincing to get the guys at Procabulary to give to our listeners, so I really hope some of you will take advantage of it while it lasts. Also, if you need more convincing about the power of Procabulary, Check out Positive Head Podcast number 20, where I actually interview Procabulary co-founder Mark England, and we discuss language mastery in great detail. All right, all you Positive Heads, welcome to another episode of the Positive Head Podcast. I am your host, Brandon. I've got my co-host, Dalian the Alien, here with me on this Monday in recording studio Positive Head Central. Hello, Dalian. Hi there, Brandon, and uh, buongiorno for our Italian po- uh, podcast listeners. Ah, well, uh, have you have you already used that one, though? You trying no, to do a different... I don't think so. Yeah, I was pretty sure I hadn't, I hadn't used Italian yet. So. Okay. What are you going to do when you start getting into more... Like, you're going to have to eventually get to, like, Icelandic and, you know, just really random, weird um, hellos that people have never heard before. You're mm-hmm, going to have to start mm-hmm. studying. Yeah, maybe <clears throat> we'll get there eventually. You know, eventually I can keep going yeah we've, eventually. we've got Klingon we've got uh, some of the Tolkien languages some of the Elven Tolkien languages. languages oh we're gonna have to finally go beyond real languages yeah eventually we're gonna run out of <laughs> well you know real invented they're all invented all the languages are ah oh, that sounded a little funny invented all, all the languages are mm? mm-hmm. sounds like someone you know Oh, well, it's Monday, so we'll let this slide. (laughs) All right, on to the podcast, everyone. Uh, Let's see here. We've got 
a nice review. I like to feature whenever someone gives us a nice review on iTunes because it makes me feel good and hopefully it makes them feel good to for us to read it out loud. So um, this particular person said, one of the most unique, intelligent, and fearless podcasts. It's rare that a program can discuss such profound, spiritual, scientific, personal, artistic, and definitely sometimes out there subjects with balance, insight, poeticism, and entertainment. Positive head while still in its nascent stages, it's already beginning to break paradigms and hopefully will continue to evolve to intriguing new heights. Awesome. That's really, really cool. Thank you very much, Wanderlife, for posting that. Um, that certainly keeps keeps us going over here because Dalian can only run on so much coffee. So, um, yeah, we appreciate you taking the time to write out a good review for us. So, All right, what's going on interesting in your world today, Dalian? Any exciting news that you'd like to share? And now for the mysterious news of the day. Positive, weird, paranormal. Mysterious, mysterious, positive news of the day. News of the day, yes. Hey, although, is it always positive or sometimes it's just mysterious? It's neither. It's neutral news, right? Um, I, To me, they're always positive. Because if if I'm not talking about some murder or some some of the other ugly things that you could hear about, like you know, through any major news outlet, then they they all always actually seem to be positive or to have some sort of positive connotation. That's true. So, that's yeah. true. Good yeah. point. No, I think I think that's true. Uh, the one that I'm going to talk about today probably really does have a pretty real and positive connotation, but it's one that someone shared with me on social media. It's a story that's been around for a minute, actually. Um, some of the um, research or investigation into this parts of the story that I'm going to reference here were done a while back, over 12 years ago or so. But uh, this is a story that actually I recall um, a common friend of ours mentioning parts of this whole saga to me a long time ago. It, it's interesting because the story remind, reminded me of what this person told me, and now the article mentions it. I'm looking at an article from Disclose.TV, Brandon. Okay. That's called um, Edgar Casey Was Right. The Hall of Records is the most uh, important discovery of the millennium. And this talks about a complex in the Bushej Mountains of Romania, that uh, was discovered, I guess they've known about this underground uh, like system of caves and whatnot uh, for, for a while. But eventually they realized that there were some strange energy readings here. So finally they brought um, some scientists, some uh, military personnel to investigate. And they saw that there was an energy dome that appeared to block an, an area that they were trying to access. And this, of course, is an underground structure, Right. So there was an underground energy barrier. When I heard those words, actually, this is the thing that reminded me of what this other person told me many years ago. And and uh, what this other person had told me was something similar that was discovered under the Great Pyramid, Brandon, okay. in Egypt, in, G- uh-huh. in Giza, right? Uh, around that whole complex. And sure enough, this article a little bit later gets into all that, which was fascinating to me. This complex in Romania... Uh, features some of the same things that I recall this other person mentioning. And the, this is a common feature amongst uh, similar sites, okay, because there's more than one. That This is part of the story that's fascinating. Uh, there are zigzagging underground tunnels, okay, right, that descend at a particular angle, I think maybe 45 degrees or so. And so they're sloping underground, and then they reach a point where they open up into this underground um, cave or, or hall, right, that's protected by an impenetrable energy barrier. Similar, like I said, similar structures have been found um, allegedly underground in Egypt and elsewhere in Tibet, I think. 
So that was the most fascinating part of the story is that there are tunnels that connect all these, you know, tunnels that span thousands of miles underground. Wow. And there's energy barriers to prevent people from actually going into certain segments of the tunnels? Yes. Parts of these um, um, halls of records, you could call them, are sealed off when effectively. We, when you say halls of records, so how do they know that there's records there if they can't get in they speculate that uh, there are there's um all sorts of ancient technology or uh information that's been basically stored away in in these but part of the reason why they infer the infer this is that they've found some of this information available such as holographic projections oh wow that they claim are accessible by for example uh pressing certain uh stone tiles and such <clears throat> there there are parts parts of these complexes they've seen, that are they've seen Basically, uh, pieces of technology. Yeah, they, they are uh, seeded with technology, it seems. Yeah, it makes me think of, uh, I know there was just recently some uh, reports from heat. I guess they, they were taking uh, thermal imaging of the pyramids just in recent weeks, and it showed that there was like heat signatures that they couldn't explain. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's something comparable to that. Yeah, this was a more mainstream bit of news you're referencing. I heard about this, yeah. too. Honestly, the the article, Brandon, is like full, filled with like so much interesting information, but some of it seems really pretty out there. I mean, it goes into this like rather elaborate account of what um, one of the people who uh, I guess is part of the source for the article talks about, you know, meeting one of the scientists that, w- that was there at one of the sites, right, and being led into one of these underground chambers. And uh, just the language makes you think, you know, makes you wonder if it's not perhaps... Somehow legitimate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, it's still a very interesting read, of course. And the thing about it that's pretty fascinating, dude, is that, um, like I said, I re- recall like this person that we both know, a, a common friend of ours, many years ago telling me, hey, you know, they found something under the um, pyramids in Egypt that may be like a hall of records type thing. I remember them saying underground, you know, hall and energy barrier. And this was at least 12 years ago, which is roughly when the... Um, story about the Romanian discovery goes back to. So that makes it sound to me like a little more than just a made up internet story. Yeah. Well, as we always say, we we share very interesting, good news, mysterious stories, but we're not claiming that they are or they aren't true necessarily. We just uh we like to explore this stuff and uh you know, feel like it's something fun to share with you guys. So, um, yeah, thanks for sharing. That's interesting. I'll have to keep an eye on that and see if there's any more developments with that particular story. It it kind of makes me think of there's a site that I saw many years ago called the Wingmakers. I think it's wingmakers.com. And there's this whole elaborate like story, fictional story of these underground caverns and all this technology that they find. And it's a, it's a fascinating read. It's, oh, yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. site that's I been up there for right like, I, over 10 years um, is it still up i think so and it's oh, wow. got uh, you know supposedly all this art from future you know future versions of ourselves and technology and all, all this cool music uh, a lot of very mm-hmm. it's very interesting website conceptually um right but yeah it just kind of makes me think of that so um yeah anyway moving along to uh let's see what we got next well i would like to get into the positive pondering breakdown of the day and let's see i have actually chosen to do one of these today the quote of the day that i've chosen is by dr wayne dyer recently deceased 
amazing spiritual teacher. Just merged back with the force. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and the quote by Dr. Dyer is, how people treat you is their karma. How you react is yours. And I think this is a really great quote to consider because so often we are so hung up on what someone else is doing to us. It's their fault. It's, you know, they're the ones that caused this. How could they? Why should they? And it's, I think you're missing the point when you do that. And it's so easy to do. I certainly fall into it from, from time to time still, less and less often perhaps. But when you realize that it's never between you and them, they're just playing a role in your reality. They're reflecting back and challenging you oftentimes uh, with whatever it is they're doing, however unreasonable, however unfair, however unjust. It's not really between you and them anyway. And it actually brings to mind another uh, famous uh, I guess, long quote by Mother Teresa that I'll, I'll interject as well. And it, it goes like this. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you'll win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. And I think that's a really awesome thing to consider whenever you're interacting with any other person, whenever you're dealing with karma. And, you know, the idea of karma is a really fascinating uh, concept to me because I, I believe that it's, you know, it's something that oftentimes events are playing out from not only this life, but previous lives where this person is doing this, that, or another thing to you because you have, you know, think about it like this. If all is literally one and everything is an extension of self, every time you do something, good or bad to someone else, you're literally doing it to self. And as a result, you're going to feel the energetic repercussions of that behavior uh, either sooner or later. So I believe all, everything that's happening is in some way karmic. And the way to get off the karmic cycle, so to speak, is to is to stop reacting, is to stop uh, is to realize that you're sort of on the wheel of karma. And of course, you know, Buddhism talks about, you know, attaining enlightenment to get off the wheel of karma, to stop creating energetic ties to people, places, and things. And I think that's something that we're constantly doing. So if you can see someone is, you know, treating you a certain way or being unjust, if you can understand it as, well, this is some sort of a, uh, it, it's really uh, their karma, what they're putting out, how you react is what you're going to create karma with. So it's very important to uh, take the highest road possible if you want to stop having, you know, if someone does something negative to me, then I do something negative back. It's just this never ending chain that's going to continue until someone gets off the wheel, until someone says, yes, you've, you've done wrong. You have been unfair. I love you anyway, and it's okay. I'm just going to release and surrender and not even uh, give it any of my 
you know, retribution or negativity back. And I think that takes a, a, a very big person to do. But when you understand the way the game is structured, I think it helps for people to break that wheel of karma. So something that I strongly, you know, recommend people doing the next time they've been treated poorly or done wrong, instead of, you know, pointing the finger back and thinking how you're going to get revenge or get even or any of those things, realize that how you react is your karma. And if you can react from a, you know, be the bigger person, so to speak, uh, it's really uh, a big win for you. Ultimately, it's the ultimate win. And there's actually another um, article that I found when I was, you know, considering talking about karma today. And I found this one on Elephant Journal. And uh, that's elephantjournal.com. And this particular uh, piece was written up by Stacy uh, Laliberte. I don't know if I'm getting that last name right or not, but uh, the, the, Article title is How to Change Your Karma and Get Off the Hamster Wheel. For many of us, life is a never-ending loop, like the 1993 film Groundhog Day. Bill Murray plays a reporter named Phil Connors who's stuck in a continuous time loop, living the same day over and over again. No matter what Phil does, he ends up waking up to the same day. Phil chases women, steals, steals, drives like an idiot, and even gets himself thrown in the slammer. And every morning, he wakes up to the same old, same old. Until he starts to soulfully re-examine his life and, change his, and changes his priorities. According to the teachings of Dr. Deepak Chopra, many of us live a life that constantly repeats itself due to what he describes as the software of the soul. Unlike the software on the device I'm using to write this article, it rarely crashes. The software of the soul has three components that form a loop in the operating system of our lives. Sanskrit. In Sanskrit, these components are one, karma, two, Samskara, three, Vasanas. We have probably heard the term karma somewhere in our lives and probably have a preconceived notion as to what it means. What goes around comes around. As we reap, so shall we sow. In other words, a divinely appoint, appointed settling of accounts for our actions, whether they be good or bad. In Sanskrit, the word karma simply means action. It is in our actions that we generate an energy that goes out into the world. Samskara is a Sanskrit word that, unlike karma, is unfamiliar to many of us. Samskara means memories. In many Buddhist and Hindu traditions, samskaras are described as imprints in the mind. Finally, we have vasanas, or in English, desires. This is how the software works. We perform an action, remember it, and then desire it. Something as familiar as the well-worn morning ritual of drinking a cup of coffee is a karmic event. We wake up, stumbling to the coffee ma maker, and begin to brew the bean-begotten elixir that starts our day. We pour a cup while the smell of slow-roasted coffee beans fill the air. Bring the cup to our lips and take a sip. The mind thinks to itself, hmm, that's good bean juice, and voila, a memory is born. The software is now humming along perfectly with two of three components loaded into the operating system of life. We took the action to drink a cup of coffee, created the memory that coffee is good. Once the memory that coffee is good is firmly entrenched in our brain, the desire to have another cup of coffee is just around the corner. It is not difficult to see how we develop patterns in our life. Unfortunately, not all patterns are innocuous as enjoying a morning cup of joe. Many of us, myself included, develop patterns and behaviors that are harmful to us and keep us from living a happy, joyous, and meaningful life. These patterns cover the entire spectrum of life experience, from addictions to the inability to connect with others, fearfulness, selfishness, the list goes on ad infinitum. For me, it was liquor. I remember my first beer like it was yesterday. I was a shy, socially awkward teenager who preferred not to be around people if I could help it. 
One day, in a time long ago, a friend was celebrating a birthday and we were allowed to have a few beers. The action of drinking that beer put me on a karmic hamster wheel that didn't stop for 20 years. Five, five minutes after it passed my lips, I thought, wow, this stuff, where has this stuff been all my life? I was no longer shy. I made girls laugh and felt like maybe all I needed was a couple of beers to be normal. My 15-year-old self remembered that beer is good and I desired it. Unfortunately, what I didn't realize was that the action of taking that substance and many others allowed me to not feel. And the memory of not feeling the pain of shyness and security and whatever else teenage me didn't want to feel led me to desire drinking a lot. As we all do, the teenage me grew up, got married, got a profession, built a house, and became a father to a wonderful son. But this didn't stop the software of my soul from working perfectly. I continued to take the action of getting off my face drunk. I continued to remember how I felt when drunk and continued to desire being drunk. In the end, my desire to consume alcohol consumed me and everything that meant anything to me. I had to change my life. To do it, I uninstalled and reloaded the software of my soul, and I did it by changing my desires. I changed my desire to that of living clean and sober, whatever that looked like. To change the negative patterns in our lives or be rid of self-limiting beliefs, the first step is changing our desires. Want to have more friends? Desire being friendly. Is life playing out in a never-ending circle of selfishness? Desire being unselfish. Then take the action of performing unselfish deeds. By the person standing in line behind you at the coffee shop, a coffee. You will invariably feel good about it once you have done it. And you will remember feeling good and will likely desire to do it again. Before you know it, a new habit pattern has formed in your mind and a negative pattern has transformed into a positive one. Your karma ends up changing and so does your life. Ah, really good stuff, dude. Um, your quotes are really good because they serve as very um, practical reminders in everyday life. And of course, they pertain also to the way we treat people. I was going to make an observation that you actually ended up getting to there with the last thing that you were reading there. But I was thinking so much of this involves stories, right? And the whole psychological projection bit that we do is we're telling stories about other people, right? right? Like we tell stories about ourselves. We meet someone and then they fit a certain... Of course, it's just part of the way we operate, and it's it's unfortunate to a degree, but we respond by visual stimuli so much, right? So we see someone that looks a certain way, and immediately we're telling stories, oh, this person must be this way or that. So what we have is that, uh, well, what your, uh, your initial quote reminded me of is how we bring so much to the present moment, uh, our, our mind's conditioning, and it's, it's just the way it operates, but it's constantly trying to correlate the current situation to something it knows. So it's constantly trying to classify what is currently happening in the present moment, and it's saying, and it's seeking to match it to a past experience. So the mind is constantly trying to rehash the past in a way. When we know that, when we can see that um, pattern in action, then we have the ability to stop it and to say, really, the present moment is a wholly unique completely original creation in, in all of life, right? Right. It's There's really no other moment that's quite like it. And, and sure, you know, frames of reference and past experience can be beneficial to help understand it. But the minute we're overlaying this dogmatic interpretation of what's happening now relative to something that happened, you know, last week, last month, 10, 20 years ago, right. we're really limiting all, all the potential that's there. So, Right. Yeah, this article makes me think of... Uh, the interview I did a while back with Sir John Hargrave, uh, the author of Mind Hacking, because it really is when you can start to look at 
your yourself as a system, you know, as the software of the soul, it's a really interesting uh, concept and it really helps to, especially for those people who think in very logical terms, you know, and it's, uh, you can look at it in that way. And, you know, when you realize every, every interaction, every energetic exchange is a karmic uh, event to some degree. And if you can become uh, aware of that and make sure that the energy that you're putting out is energy that is uh, making the best of the situation, taking the highest road, being the most positive uh, that you can possibly be, you're, you're in effect, you're creating those things in your future because it's going to reflect back. It's, it's the way the game works. So it gets, it's as simple as, you know, stop, stop the judgment you know, and that's so hard for so many of us. I know it is for me, you know, stop the judgment of right and wrong and who did this and who did what. And when you realize it's like really this personal, personally designed, carefully constructed, you know, they, I, I've heard it said when we die, we'll look at the supposed chaos of this life and see a perfectly woven tapestry where everyone is exact getting exactly what they need at all times it's it appears chaotic from you know where we're standing now but if you when you can take the 30,000 uh foot view of what's happening on this planet it's this perfectly perfect dance and everyone's getting what they need and that includes uh, all the 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 you know the negative things all the the people that are trying you they're really stimulating you to uh to grow beyond your reactions and to uh transcend and go to the next level of the game of life right they say the beauty and perfection of that tapestry that's woven together with all of our lives intertwined is so astoundingly beautiful that it will make even the most hardened man cry right it's it's so and i can feel beautiful. that I, I mean i i definitely I can see it to some degree already as in my own life, as my perspective has, uh, has, you know, expanded as maybe let's say I started with a, a 10 foot view and now I'm at a, you know, thousand foot view. And when I die, I'll be at a 30,000 foot view. It's like the difference between that 10 and thousand foot view. I can already see so much more and understand the perfection of how, you know, how this whole place is perfectly imperfect. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and it's, uh, it really does. I, I have those moments now where, you know, once you, as you broaden your perspective, you things that maybe really hurt and stung before you see, you see the beauty in, and you've had those moments of feeling so connected and so in tune with things being, everything being in its right place that it, it, brings tears to your eyes that it brings this overwhelming sense of love and joy and that's really what we're all after and and that comes with adopting the right perspective yeah yeah i, I know that uh we share a lot of uh, the same paths and methods that we've used to achieve that mindset really but uh i know that for me for example and really even in, in the recent past things like mdma have helped me achieve really an understanding and a profound feeling of gratitude and just yeah. great love for, for, for that, really. But I also can achieve a lot of that same feeling by sitting in a very beautiful natural surrounding, right? Like where I'm completely Meditating. alone. Yeah. Or, you know, there's a beautiful sunrise, like rising over, you know, the hills mm -hmm. and whatnot, and I see the trees and, and the blue sky. Yeah, you don't have to have drugs or really, you don't, you don't even need the mountaintop if you can summon that feeling. Right. But now that's, that's the thing that I understand most deeply is that feeling and how you make that connection with everything you understand. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Once you understand it's all within you and, and so few people actually take the time to, to go. And I challenge you if it's, if you're someone that hasn't really dedicated yourself to meditation or 
you know, any of these kind of spiritual practices, hey, I get it. It's 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 kind of like this daunting thing at times or can be. Uh, or like many things, it's almost like doing a homework as a kid. It's way worse thinking about doing homework than actually doing it. <laughs> but, exactly. you know, I challenge people. In, and, of course, with meditation, it can be this intimidating thing. I don't know how to do it or, you know— there is no right or wrong way, in my opinion. You know, what I would encourage you to do, forget, don't even call it a name. Go sit with your eyes closed or, or you know, sit in a room alone and take 10 minutes and drum up feelings of gratitude and appreciation and, and the beauty for the things that you've seen in your life. And you will, you'll start tapping into a vibration that just brings more of it. That's the crazy, amazing thing about it is when you can drum up those feelings, you're not only experiencing them in those moments uh, because – there is no difference, you know, when you're sitting there and you're feeling these drumming up these feelings, it's the same as, um, you know, it's the same as having them, uh, having the experience, or maybe if you're remembering a past experience, it, it's the same thing to you. And, uh, so not only are you giving yourself the experience in that moment without needing any experience to happen other than being with yourself, but you're also creating more of it for you in the future because that which is likened to itself is drawn where attention goes, energy flows. So the more energy you're giving to these kinds of feelings and these vibrations, the more of that you're going to see reflected back into your reality. And that's really the, the only thing you need to be focused on or the primary, the, primarily what we all need to be focused on. How are we feeling and what can we do? What kind of tricks and games and things can we play with ourselves to make sure that we're feeling more and more of the things that we want to see more and more of? Mm-hmm. Like Bashar calls them permission slips, right? Right. right Bashar, right. that I mean, wonderful entity. Ideas. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That's another interesting one. If you guys have ever... Uh, heard of Bashar? He's a uh, supposed channel, uh, and uh, I don't know whether he's channeling or not channeling. But uh, the information that comes th- out of his mouth is absolutely profound and amazing. So I highly recommend mm-hmm, exactly. checking him out. Ch- channeled by a gentleman named Daryl Anka. Right. Um, yeah. At first, I was, of course, immediately a little leery of the whole channel thing. But as with all all of these things, uh, once you hear the message, yeah, then it really doesn't even matter. Yeah, exactly. And and I think all art, all creativity, all inspired, you know, information is channeled to some degree, right? It's in, right. inspired in spirit. You know, you're you're tapping into a higher part of self, and where that goes from there to become, you know. As Esther Hicks talks about this, you know, uh, non-physical entity Abraham or, you know, who knows? Anything's possible. All all I care about more than anything else is what what is the message? And if the message feels inspired, tapped into spirit, then I'm I'm into it, you know? Right. And I don't care if, if they're channeling Donald Duck. <laughs> yeah, something I have to quickly say because we got talking about this, Brandon, but especially in this season of, say, politics, right, and so much – um, kind of negative news by the traditional media outlets, so much cynicism out there, of course. Yeah. I see a lot of people who can't make that distinction, even a lot of people I know, people I love, who can't separate the message from the messenger. And right. they always want to put one down because of the other. Right. But I, I have actually in my own personal life gotten tremendous wisdom delivered to me by people who I really don't have a relationship with now because they're really not someone who I'm compatible with on an energy level. Right. Okay. So right. I feel like even though that's the case, I immediately saw the value in what they had to me to say to me uh, a long time ago. And it's still true today. Yeah. Even, even though I can't really, you know, have this person as, as a part of my life because of you know, a multitude of reasons really, but yeah. Right. Yeah, and they say, you know, someone that challenges you or angers you or any of those things, 
probably karmic where you're playing out some sort of balancing from previous uh, interactions with him, whether, you know, previous in this life or others. And uh, those are the ones that offer you the most opportunity for growth. And instead of hating them for it, know that they're playing a role. And I think that really just it changes the whole view of these challenging characters that we've all had and will have, you know, come into our life to uh, they're always there to stimulate growth. And I think that's just such a beautiful way to to approach challenges. Very well said. In regards to this particular relationship that I was thinking, what you just said is so true that I can't even really tell who is doing what for whom. I think we're both doing it for each other. We're serving these roles and this function that you, you just described. So, yeah. 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 It makes me think of a book I'm pretty sure I've referenced on here sometime before. Uh, the Neil Donald Walsh book, one of my very favorite all-time books, and it's a children's book, The Little Soul in the Sun. And uh, it talks about, you know, that whole experience, how souls will uh, choose to lower their vibration and, and give other souls that they love this experience of someone to forgive or, or challenge to overcome. And they'll have lost themselves in that process. And your job is to remember them for who and what they truly are, which is really a divine being you know who's who's forgotten itself if they're doing this ugly thing <laughs> all right well that leads us into the next segment i would like to cover today and that is the question that we received a great question actually that oh, awesome we got one today yeah it ties into uh really ties in well to what we're uh what we're talking about here and this one is from janet green Janet, thank you for writing in. And the question is, do you believe in soulmates or soul families? Ah, yeah. Surprised we haven't gotten that one yet. Yeah, yeah. And it really ties into what we're talking about here is, you know, the way that I view reality is think of, you know, we're all one with God's source, whatever you want to call it, right? And think of it as a giant tree. Uh, Reality, if God is a tree and you know, it's all one, but you happen to have, you're on a particular branch and you're a particular leaf on a branch. And maybe in this case, you know, Dalian, you're on the leaf, you know, you're a leaf right next to me. So uh, yes, I'm one with it all, but there are certain beings that uh, actually are very close to you where you have most of your karmic work to do. And I believe, and many others believe that we actually incarnate together in soul families or soul groups Uh, I remember getting an astrological chart reading many, many years ago, and the woman did a chart reading for myself and my brother, and she goes, wow, seeing your charts together, they're so, it's so wild the way they tie in together. You've obviously had many lives together. And so, yeah, I I believe that. I think characters, certain characters uh, incarnate together and, uh, you know, continue to play out these karmic uh, relationships until all possible experience has been experience that is that is necessary for a certain segment of your growth and uh you know you may have people even in this life that get on you know the train of your life so to speak at a certain stop and then they get off and maybe they'll get back on and you know i think we kind of do this role throughout eternity with certain uh with certain characters so the idea of an actual soul mate or a twin soul or something like that. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there that you can find even talking about the difference between soulmates and twin souls, a twin soul being a soul, maybe that you 
the same, you, you broke off from source at the exact same spot, you know? Uh, and so this is literally like as close to another part of you as there can possibly be. Whereas a soul mate can be someone that is, you're meant to grow with, you know, a lot of times, of course, uh, romantic relationships are the, provide the most opportunity for growth for many souls not all but you know that's a big way of growing for many people and so of course your primary relationship or romantic relationship being kind of your soulmate makes a lot of sense that's someone that you're here to do the most growing uh by bumping up against so to speak so yeah i think we incarnate uh with uh soul families and people that you know you have a very uh deep long running connection with that uh, are playing out their lives and in, in growing from interacting with uh, through many lifetimes. And um, what there's a movie actually that uh, it ta- kind of sh- demonstrates this cloud Atlas. It shows how people are continue to interact with each other through lives and the same characters. And I think that's uh, actually interesting enough. The woman who did that astrological chart reading, I remember at the time she compared my chart to the writers of that movie who had just written the matrix oh, at the time. The Wachowskis. Yeah. 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 And uh she uh yeah she made a reference and of course those being some of my favorite movies uh the matrix they're so philosophical you know and kind of telling the story of this reality in a way that in in story form but i think there's a lot of underlying truth to some of the concepts that they present Mm -hmm. but that's getting off on a whole nother tangent uh so yes to answer your question janet i believe that uh soulmates are a real phenomenon i believe soul families are a real phenomenon and you will uh, inevitably be attracted to those, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe, so to speak. So you will inevitably bump up against those. And I think, you know, sometimes when you meet someone and you just have that feeling like you've known them forever and, you know, and, and then oftentimes they end up playing the significant role in your life. I think that's, uh, that's something that uh, happens to a lot of people. And a lot of people have had that sort of experience. Absolutely. I think that maybe 20 or 30 years ago, people probably had a different definition, uh, perhaps what is still mostly understood by soulmate within the context of a romantic relationship, like you said. But I think that these days, more and more people are opening up to the idea that soulmate can be really anyone that you have a really close relationship with that is really a member of your posse, really, in in life, right? It can be a family member, a romantic, uh, you know, other half, or a brother, uh, a brother or sibling-like figure in your life. Kind of like you said, you know, you and I are kind of like brothers by this point in life, right? And uh, so, yeah, I think that over the last, you know, couple decades, there's been a redefinition of the concept of a soulmate away from being exclusively this other and always highly idealized romantic partner, right? Right. But I think that also is perhaps related to the fact that people are more and more pursuing, you know, a life that's, you know, truer to their deeper calling in life. uh, And that's more authentic, which would entail uh, following their instincts and, you know, living outside of uh, a very um, kind of regimented or, um, you know, more traditional path in life. You know, people are are much more willing to follow their bliss, as they say. So I think that that naturally really leads to... uh, you know, having a much greater chance of meeting your soulmate, whether that person is, like I said, uh, you know, an other half in the traditional sense or a partner that you just do great works with, you know, whether it's a creative partnership, business partnership or creative in other senses, you know, besides artistic. Yeah, many, 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 many different and shapes I, and forms. And I think it's really important for people, you know, especially when you consider the idea of soulmate or, you know, romantic partnership. A lot of times people 
you know, in our society, we have this idea that uh, a relationship is only successful if it lasts forever. And I believe that's a big misconception. I can have a relationship that lasted, you know, a year and it's hugely successful. I believe you come together with a soul as long as the opportunity for growth is there. And when you've exhausted the opportunity for growth at the the point in your journey that you're at, a natural separation begins to occur. And what happens with a lot of people is I think uh, they're, uh, they don't, they get attached and they don't want to let go, even though they can tell the time is, you know, things are pulling apart. The energy is different than it used to be two years ago or what have you. And when you can release the idea that you, you, you never lose anyone or anything, you can only take breaks from them. You are literally an eternity and you're one with all things, including all those that you love. And, uh, that's the, the beauty of, you know, this experience. It's, it's, it's all transient, but at the same time, it's eternal. So it's like this sort of dichotomy of existence. And when you can understand and really live from a perspective of I, I can never truly lose anyone, even if I'm taking a break from them for the rest of this lifetime, you know, what, what is this lifetime in the grand scheme of eternity? It's, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket, you know, but a blink. And so, uh, so yeah, I think that was a very interesting question and I'm, I really was uh, excited to answer that one. It was perfect to go with kind of the other karmic related stuff we were talking about today. So uh, let's see. Well, we're getting kind of down to it here. Uh, I appreciate all you guys for tuning in as always. Please, uh, you know, give us a, a rating on iTunes. If you have the time, we certainly appreciate it. And we might even re- read your review if it's uh, raving enough. <laughs> no, I appreciate even just a star review. Anything that you can do helps uh, on iTunes to, to get us some more exposure there, the more ratings and reviews, as I've talked about before. And of course, um, you know, our whole mission with this with this podcast, it is a labor of love. We do it because we want to spread positivity. So uh, we hope we're, we're doing that and achieving that in some level uh, as you tune in. And if you, you know, are appreciating our efforts, please tell a friend, you know, share it with someone. Tell tell your friends on social media about the Positive Head podcast. Uh, it certainly uh, would be appreciated as well. So uh, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. As you go about the rest of your day, remember, as long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Be well, everyone.